Good morning, Mark, and uh, welcome again to another for podcast. And did I just say morning? You it's did actually, say morning, but that's okay. It's actually the afternoon. It's afternoon. So you can tell how we're going today. Uh, I've been watching too much tennis. That's that's my excuse. That's your excuse. That's right. Well, look, a great pleasure today to be at the Gordon TAFE in Geelong. And I'm fascinated by the fact that I, in my travels around mentoring private business clients and consulting to family companies, that I don't believe that TAFE get their fair, I guess, accolades for what they do uh, in Australia. And in particularly, I know that the Gordon down here in Geelong is doing fantastic work and covers so many topics that people, you know, it's probably a best kept secret. And it is raising its, its profile and, it's, and we're really happy to be here today. So um, today I want to introduce Jana Pereira, who is the Executive Director of Commercial Business at the TAFE. Welcome, Jana. Good to see you. Thanks, Bill. Lovely to be here. Good. Um, so as I say, I'll just reiterate, it's, uh, you know, our clients are small business clients or business owners, and we deliberately want to do this session today to raise the profile and, and raise the awareness of all the great work that's going on. And, and it's, it's interesting, Bill, as we, were, as we were setting up, I said to Jana, I remember in my early days at FAGS, we put 10 people through a uh, diploma of business management, I think it was called then, uh, which was fantastic because it allowed the group to come together. They got lots of great knowledge. The facilitator was fantastic. Um, and then there was a lull where that sort of disappeared for all sorts of reasons that uh, are out of um, the TAFE's control. And uh, Jano, I'm sure we'll touch on it, that uh, there's some leadership training coming back in. And, and it's, that's fantastic for small business, rather than rushing off to, to universities, dealing with someone who's local that can tailor it to suit them. So that'll be really cool. Anyway, enough about our... On Jana, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Now, tell us, where did life begin? Where did you start? Where did you go to primary school? Good question. Um, so my background is Sri Lankan. So I was brought up in Sri Lanka, or born in Sri Lanka. Uh, but I also said that I was brought up in the Maldives. So um, I was about six or seven when my mom decided to move to the Maldives. So the story begins that um, my dad, he's really a natural-born artist, and he worked in the ceramic industry. He studied in Japan and did a lot in ceramics. And he was approached by an American company setting up in China. And China just opened up uh, into the world, free trade zone in Fujian. Um, and he got this amazing opportunity to be an advisor to set up the factory. Um, and I was about, I think, six or seven. And he didn't want to leave. And my mom said, such an amazing opportunity. Off you go and do this. You know, you're not going to get this opportunity again. And so he went off. And that didn't stop my mother. She decided to apply as an expat teacher and go to the Maldives. So I moved from Sri Lanka to the Maldives. And I was brought up in the Maldives. So I always say I was sort of an international student sort of all my life. Um, I came back to Sri Lanka for my higher education, um, for high school really, um, and then came to Australia again as an international student. Um, I did a Bachelor of Business and I did a Master of Advertising at RMIT. Um, so yeah, my childhood really was in the Maldives, a great place to grow up, island life. Uh, Mali was about five kilometres in radius. Yep. Um, I still remember my friends you know, riding their bike, coming to the other end of the island to pick me up and then we'll go back and the school was in the middle. Um, but, I, you know, it really got me to understand different cultures and diversity. It was 100% Muslim country, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think that's where my love for international education kind of 
began at a very young age. So when did you leave the Maldives? When, when, did, when did you step away from there? So f- step away, I came back to Sri Lanka to do my high school yep. for about a year. Um, and then once I completed that, I came to Australia to do my university studies. And did you always wanted to get into education? No, so that was um, another interesting story. So I think education is sort of in my blood. Um, I've been very lucky, I think. I've had two very strong females in my life, uh, my grandmother and my mother. So um, my grandmother was brought up in a very different generation, so when Sri Lanka was colonised by the British. So she studied in English medium, and when the British left, that's when my mother went to school, and so English kind of became a second language. Um, but credit to my grandmother, she always felt that English was very important. So, and she knew the privileged kids would get the opportunity to go to schools where English would be still offered, like my mother. So she ran this tuition class on the side of the house for all these kids who couldn't get to a school where English was offered, because she felt that English was really important into the future. She would start early in the morning and she would run her classes till about six in the evening. She had seven kids and us grandkids who would just walk into a house whenever we feel like it. She'd be cooking up a, you know, dinner, cooking up, cooking up in the kitchen, you know, doing all these things. But that tuition class is really important to her. And she didn't make any money out of it, you know, really. It was just her way of giving back. That's cool. Um, and that's where education started. And I, and I saw that work ethic and how important it was. And just to see the kids where they ended up was amazing. You know, they all got the opportunity to go overseas and do amazing things. And that was her little way of contributing. Um, and then my mother became a teacher as well. She became an English teacher um, and kind of carried on that. Unfortunately, I don't think I got that you know, teaching gene from my parents. So I'm going to say I think it's more <laughs> my dad's side for me. Um, you know, so yeah, so education is kind of easy in the blood. So while I was uh, studying at university in Australia, one of my lecturers approached me and said, can you help out Central Queensland University with their marketing? Um, and so I joined them in my last year to help them out with their marketing campaigns. And once I completed the program, they offered me a role. And so I kind of got into uh, so international first, education. So first job was marketing? Marketing, yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. And, um, and recruitment of international students to Australia. So, Jana, the, um, with that marketing degree, obviously that got opened some doors for you. But what was your little pathway between then and now here at the Gordon in Geelong? Yeah, so I worked in the higher education sector, and when I say higher education, in the university sector for quite some time. So um, I worked for Central Queensland University, uh, La Trobe University, um, and Victoria University. And that was sort of my introduction to TAFE from VU, because Victoria University has that dual sector. Um, and so then I was sort of you know, drawn into vocational education and the opportunities vocational education provides for students. So that was sort of my stepping stone, I suppose, for vocation. I haven't left since I've been introduced yeah. to vocational education, so I think that says a lot about this sector um, and the opportunities that we give our students um, to, to foster on, I think, yeah. yeah. As I said before, you know, I, I think that TAFE, up until now, because governments are very much aware of the importance of TAFE, uh, has been totally un- uh, underestimated, particularly in the business area, and particularly in the area that Mark and I work in, which is with business owners. Yep. Uh, and I'll never forget, one of the solitary lessons for me was, I was actually lecturing at what was Northern Melbourne TAFE. Yes. Which I think now is Tribune, and then I was uh, lecturing in the Cert Forum Business at Vic Uni. Yep. Now, the lesson out of that for me, particularly with uh, at, uh, NMIT, was it was final year 
diploma of uh, horticulture students. Yep. And I think it was their third year, it was their final year. But I ran a trial program that said that they had to also do a one-year program that gave them a Cert three in business, small business. At the beginning of the year, there were 28 people in the class. And the key question was, well, what are you going to do at the end of this year? Because you know, they had to pass this subject or this uh, to get their diploma in horticulture. So I think 28 hands went up. At the end of the year, well, there's probably half the class left by then anyway, <laughs> but uh, who's going to start a business? One hand went up. So the lesson for me from that was unless you understand the fundamentals of how to run a business, you need to actually take the steps to get there to be competent to do it. Correct. And as I understand it, the research indicates that most startups fail mm -hmm. uh, fairly quickly. And I believe in Germany now, you can't, or over time, you can't register a business until you've actually done a TAFE-type course in business. So that was really where I see the importance of it all. Uh, and I'd be interested in getting some answers from you on the boat, because I'll just step back a bit, Mark. Yana and I are both on the Geelong Excellence Business Awards as judges. Uh, and I'm sure that you made a number of observations about the businesses that you you judged and visited. Um, I guess, are there some business lessons and educational lessons and continuous learning lessons in what you saw in judging the business awards? Absolutely, and that's a really good question, yeah. Bill. I think more around the startup phase to the scale-up stage, mm. I think that's where we see a, a massive gap. I think the startup scale is where they're really excited. The, the passion comes through and mm. they do this amazing work to make it happen. But then they get stuck there when it comes to scaling it up. You know, and that's where you see, oh my God, you look at some of those businesses going, these are amazing ideas. You should be doing so much more. But it's getting to that next stage. And I think there isn't enough, and like, like you're saying, enough training to get them to that next step. And that was one of my biggest observations. You know, How do we get them easily? Where are the tools to help them to get there? Because these are amazing businesses that should be thriving, not just domestically, but also internationally. It's, um, we, chat, we chatted as we, we were sitting here setting up and allaying your nerves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> What, what's the, the Gordon's next step? You talked about a leadership program. Tell us a bit more. Tell us what's what's coming for us. Absolutely. So at the moment we have our, um, uh, I suppose, our training package sort of leadership program, which is our Diploma of Leadership and Management, which is one of the most popular programs. Uh, but we are also looking at setting up an executive leadership program. And, you know, I think the universities have done really well in that executive leadership stage where they offer the MBA programs. But I feel like vocational is at a much better sort of uh, place to offer an executive leadership program because we always talk about, when you talk about vocational education, we say it's hands-on, it's practical, we give you the tools, you can take it to employment and use it the next day. And for me, that's what I see in an executive leadership program. You know, a lot of the time we all get promoted because of what we do and how well we do it. But once you get to that leadership stage, it's not what you know. How do you manage the people? You know, what is happening in the world, you need to understand all of these things. Um, and that's what I think for me an executive leadership program is about. So the program that we have introduced and we ran a pilot in Indem last year was around how do you lead yourself? 
you know, how do you manage yourself? How do you lead your team? How do you lead the organization? And finally, how do you lead and manage the community um, that you're serving for? Um, so this leadership program is six months in length. It's very intensive because we also know that when you executives, we don't have a lot of time, uh, but it is very relevant and very practical and the tools you can directly go and use it. Um, the next day at your workplace. So they step out with a certificate or a diploma? They do. So they get a certificate from the Gordon um, Executive Leadership Program um, from the Gordon Institute. And at what sort of level? Um, so we're hoping to get it pathway to an MBA cool. okay. um, so that they can get a couple of credits. At the moment, we are in discussions with universities. Yeah, cool. um, and once we get that signed, we can certainly um, advertise it. Now, Jana, just in recent time, in fact, last year, I guess we're over the last two years, You've done a leadership program in Zhuang run by, it's a very well-known program, and it really is an executive leadership style thing, but program. What did you get out of that, personally? A lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was new to Geelong. Um, I started at the Gordon end of 2019, um, and my role was really to build relationship and engagement with industry and our community in Geelong. And that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to do the um, Committee for Geelong's leadership program. It really helped me build relationships in Geelong, get to know people here, uh, but also to understand the community, the advocacy and the influencing. And I think that's what's really important. Um, When we developed our executive leadership program, we didn't want to compete with that program at all. It really is to complement each other. Um, And I think the leadership program that Committee for Geelong offers is how do you advocate? How do you work with community? How do you work with government? What does that look like? Whereas the executive leadership program that we offer is pretty much that executive day-to-day, how do you manage it? Self. Well, that's skills. Yes, it? exactly. That's the well, a friend of ours, another Mark, has a great saying: <laughs> uh, "You learn by doing." Yes, and that's what yeah. tape's all about, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and where do you? hope this is going to kick off so we've already kicked it off in Windham last Windham, year yep. but we're going to hope hopefully we'll start mid jan um mid july june july in geelong excellent that's yeah. oh, really exciting very exciting so yeah. what else is happening in tafe what what are other new things that you might be playing with um for us i think mainly i mean we got free tafe so that's absolutely wonderful um so that's an initiative by the victorian government but now also supported by the federal government um so this is to help get skills for jobs that is really needed um in australia so um that gives them the opportunity to study any of our TAFE programs free of charge so there's over about 70 programs that's on offer um so i think this is a great time to come to TAFE and get a feel for it and like you're saying if you're starting a business yeah. hey why don't you try it it's free um and i just wish that all kids would be given that pathway opportunity. I think a lot of the time we encourage, and I think we spoke about this before on going directly to university, it's a pathway through TAFE. There's no stopping them. They can still do a free TAFE program and pathway to a degree. And while you're in a degree, you can be working and paying off your hex very quickly as well. So, you know, this is an amazing opportunity that I think everyone should be looking at. Well, there's a lot of publicity and talk, and and a lot of it's real, in the shortage of skilled labour. And there's all sorts of... I guess, uh, opinions about whether it's because of backpackers and all the rest of it. But uh, in my personal opinion, my experience, I think it's because it's been business owners have neglected the training side of the business. And I don't know any business that I've been to when I've asked them about their budgets, for instance, not one of them has a training budget. Yep. or a personal development budget. And I think that is probably a, a good place to start, yep. is how do you educate people. Uh, and the two of us have uh, 
silver hair. <laughs> so we can go back to when uh, there was a uh, part of... Uh, it was compulsory by government to spend a percentage of your income on training. Yeah. Now, I don't think we'll get back to that. Mm-mm. But it is a case of this current skill shortage. Uh, there's obviously a lag time now before it's going to be fixed. But if I walk down any shopping strip and I see signs, we want staff, but not just baristas, we want pastry cooks, we want this, you know, we, we can't get welders, we can't get boiler makers and all these sorts of things. So we are going to have a lag. Yep. Now, how do you see that? It's an interesting landscape, Bill, and especially I think after COVID, um, you know, we were looking at the data as well because we are seeing a little bit of a decline in numbers coming through to TAFE directly. Um, and I think that's because, like you said, the unemployment rate. I mean, the unemployment rate in Victoria is about 4%. And you look at Geelong, it's only 2.4%. So, um, you know, industry is crying out for employees, so they're actually taking them without even being skilled. So I think it's going to change in the sense that we will have to go to the workforce and start training people. So we need to even flip the model that we are offering right now. And that's a conversation we're having internally. You know, how do we look at blended learning and teaching now so that we can work with industry to meet their needs and their requirements? Um, so it'll, it is an interesting landscape right now. It's not the 95 classroom anymore. Um, and if you were to look at the silver lining in a way from COVID for us, I mean, we had a strategy where we said, look, we want to get online training we want to we have a strategy in the next three years we'll have most of our programs online but within a month we had to change it and I wasn't perfect as we all know COVID happened overnight but it happened you know our programs went online so there is that opportunity for us to now work with the industry what do you want is it an evening class is it online how do we help you and these are some of the conversations that we are having now around how do we upskill this workforce in, in, in the workplace. So what's, what's your mix with online, face-to-face? Look, majority is face-to-face yeah. for us. Um, only because, our pro- again, we go back to that whole practical, yep. hands-on piece, um, which I think is the beauty of TAFE. You know, you walk into TAFE, and I'll take you on a tour if we have time, but you'll see how we have set it up. It is like the workplace. You know, you walk in, it's a work um, shop, or it's the barista, store, it's like a cafe. We give them that real employability skills from day one, and that's what's important for us. But if you can give them that theory piece online, that's where we're moving into. So while they're working, they can do the theory, come in intensive, hands-on experience. So getting that, that blend's important, isn't Correct. it? Correct, yep. exactly. Now you have a fairly well-known hospitality part of the, of the TAFE. Can you tell us a bit about that? It's very exciting. It's, yeah. We're very proud of our hospitality school. So we uh, did a massive refurbishment and we opened it in September last year. Um, $23 million refurbishment. Very exciting. Um, so we are going to... We have a restaurant as well. So hands-on and experience. Davidson's? Davidson's, yes. Uh, open to the public as well, which is very exciting, but also gives us students that experience from front house. Uh, amazing commercial kitchens. Uh, we've got a social cafe that we're going to open up in a couple of uh, months time uh, and a new bakery that's coming up as well so from a hospitality point I think the Victorian government's investment on this was really important especially for our region in Geelong given that Great Ocean Road and that's the capital of of tourism here in Victoria Um, for us to have this site is just fantastic Um, I've just come from welcoming our international students as well so we've got a whole lot of students who are coming in for commercial cookery and hospitality from 
around the world. Um, so that shows the importance of this this program. And was that a that was a drop off, obviously, over COVID? So is that good to see the international students back? So excited! <laughs> I actually walked in and said, "I'm just keep, I'm going to keep saying excited, excited, <laughs> excited," because I walked around and I said, "Where are you from?" And I had students saying, "I'm from France. I'm from Philippines. I'm from India. Like the whole continent of the world, all the continents in the world were represented." Very so I was very well, look, excited. I'll give you a very small <laughs> example. Uh, Mark, you uh, know Packingham Street very well. Well, down uh, the other end from where I am, uh, there's a mother and daughter have opened a pastry shop. Right. And they were doing the markets and everything else. And I went in there sort of the, the week they opened. And how are you going and all the rest of it. In fact, I wanted to say, you know, can we do a podcast? That's why I went in there. <laughs> um, because I knew the background story. But there was a sign on the window and said, looking for a pastry chef. And the the lady's daughter was telling me, oh, mum can't find someone to assist her. So she's in there on her own, God only knows how many hours, making all this stuff and can only make enough and they run out at 11 o'clock. And my first answer to her was, have you been to the Gordon? So I don't know what happened, but isn't that typical of, you know, how do you, getting it what we call top of mind? Yep. The old marketing days, how yep. do you get it top of mind? Yep. And and we Gordon? do, but we get yeah. calls. We get calls every single day for employees. Yeah. And whenever we say you're from the Gordon, even if you go to a restaurant, they'll say, oh, yeah. can you get some students? Because there is a massive need um, for hospitality and commercial cookery. So we are working with industry very closely. Um, and a lot of them get work experience. Um, they go in and they get employment at the end of the day. So that's why it's exciting for us because that yeah. employability is there straight away. So do you run a like an employment service so if a business yes. at, calls you and says hey i need a pastry chef but i'm willing to take on a, an undergraduate yes. so we have a separate um department called um, skills and jobs jobs and skills unit sort of thing so what they do is they have a database so anyone who wants um employees we get their information put it on the database um and our student newsletter um our students can go in and check what empl- uh, opportunities are available and apply for it so that's definitely Brilliant. there oh, that's yeah. really cool yeah. now tell us a bit about uh the skills the i guess the trade skill side of, of the gordon because mm-hmm. that is also is a yeah. big component of what you do yes so that's massive so that's based in our east um geelong campus um, we've got from you know we've got building and construction, so we've got carpentry to plumbing to bricklaying, um, landscaping, all of those programs, um, horticulture. So it's massive. I mean, we offer over hundred different programs at the Gordon. Hence why it's always exciting because you can go from hairdressing to bricklaying. Um, those programs are very popular. They're very much an apprentice model. So there's always an employer. So while they're working, they're actually studying as well. So they're like kind of block models, um, and we work very closely with industry um, and you know making sure that they're, they're employed while they're doing their program as well. That's very good. So digressing back to Jana as the person, have you picked up your dad's ceramic skills? Do you do some of... I'd just be interested to see where, where the creative side went with... As you said, you're more like your dad than your mum. More like my dad in the sense of, I think, uh, the leadership and the management side... Um, again, didn't get that creative gene, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm drawing stick figures. Um, but, yeah, no, I didn't get the creative side. But I think it's more I can have those conversations with my dad around this is what's happening. Because he worked in an office environment, and I think that's what I meant in that professional okay. sort of yeah. level. Um, but, yeah, I love having conversations with him around all of that. But, yeah, not the, not the ceramics, So what do you do to relax? <laughs> what, what do you do to 
My, I love bushwalking. So okay. that's my thing. I love walking. Um, so before COVID, I used to be part of a bushwalking club in Melbourne and used to do a lot of bushwalks around Victoria. Excellent. Yes. And you also made mention while we were setting up that yeah. you're on a couple of boards. So tell us a bit about what's your interests outside the Gordon in terms of giving back. So in, like I said, I think because I always introduce myself as being an international student all my life, I think that piece is really important for me. And I know what it's like being an international student and hence why I wanted to go and welcome the students that arrived this morning because you're coming, leaving your family and friends behind to a brand new country. You don't know anyone. Um, there's a lot of ups and downs. And it's always hard. Um, I still remember when I came... It, you know, phone call was the only way of communicating. We didn't have online mediums. We didn't have the apps that we can use today so easily, no FaceTime. Um, and it was very expensive. So I used to remember waiting till Saturdays to give my parents a call. And putting um, coins in the phone box. <laughs> <laughs> and it was hard. I remember making notes and I might forget certain things. I was so close to my parents. Um, and so for me, international education is important. And I think it's great having that diversity in Australia. I think it makes it very rich, what we have. Um, so I am in the IEA board, which is the International Education Association. Um, and so for me, that was part of giving back, you know, really understanding how we can make this better for our international students who arrive in Australia. Um, and also, you know, it's from an economic point, it's great having international students, as we know, but we want to make sure that they have a great experience um, while they're here. Fantastic. So, Jana, it's www.gordontafe. www gordon.edu.au is the website to go to Correct. for all the information you need about programs and the new programs coming etc etc and free TAFE and it's free so and, and that's that's <laughs> that's probably a little underestimated in the sense that it means you could actually try something and think nah that's not for me let me try something that I really want to get into we like them to complete the program I, I guarantee you what <laughs> but, but it does give you a bit more flexibility Absolutely. And we do run a lot of information sessions because of that, because we yep. don't want students to just start Jumping. and not complete. Um, so for us, completion rates are important as well. So we usually run a lot of information sessions where they can come in, have a chat to a teacher or a trainer, find out if it's for them um, and trial it and, and enroll in it. Fantastic. So we're definitely there to help them through that journey. Well, Mark, my uh, lesson out of all of that is um, if you're employing people, you're a business owner and you're employing people, uh, over the years, I've done a lot of interim CEO roles, you know, one year, two years at a time. And I've made one promise at the beginning of it to the staff, because they're always apprehensive, what's he here for, he's going to close us down, is that I will guarantee you continuous learning and that you'll be better skilled at the end of this and you'll get a better job somewhere else. And I used to send them off to TAFE and the Australian Institute of Management in those days. Yep. And it's, it is... What it, so what if they leave? They'll leave and get a better job because they'll be better skilled. Yep. And that's the attitude business owners should take. Absolutely, Bill. And, yeah. you know, one thing that we did find when we offered the executive leadership program in Wyndham, we had quite, it was a beautiful group of about 15 individuals who took part in that program. And we had medium to small businesses represented in that group. And they actually came to us and said, we would love to do some training for our staff because all of a sudden they realised yeah. what they were getting out of it. So this is where my team, so we've got the industry engagement team, they can actually go and have a chat to business owners and see where their staff are and where they want to get them to. And we can offer those gap skilling, reskilling um, opportunities for them. So they don't have to do a full program. It might be a couple of units. So we can actually tailor it to their needs. So we are very happy to do that. I, I, I remember some, many, many years 
years ago being told that education is an investment, not an expense. But unfortunately, when things get tough, education becomes a uh, expense and how can we savage it exactly. and cut it? So yeah. Uh, my, my big thing is it's not, it's an investment. I agree. And I always say it's workforce development for productivity. Yep. That's what it is. Training is workforce development for productivity. That's what we're here for, to help their productivity. So, Jana, thank you. Your passion is coming through loud and clear. So <laughs> I, I really have, have enjoyed our chat. And Bill? Yes, thank you, Jana. It's, uh, as Mark knows, I've been really keen to get this session up and running because I'm a, uh, a great believer in what you do personally and what the institution does. Uh, and it's been an absolute delight. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me.